verse 6, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It says she wrapped him in cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth in a line in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. As we read those verses, I love as the angel comes before them and says these words, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. And if there is a time in which we can celebrate God's hope for all the people, it is this. Often the question is posed, why shepherd? A king is born in a humble manger, in humble circumstances, and yet the first to be told, shepherds. Shepherds watching their flock by night, announced by angelic presence. And if there were ever a time to say, who's the least of all to deserve this announcement? It might be the shepherds themselves. Interestingly enough, shepherds... Uh, and this may be a reminder for you, had a reputation that was not, to say the least, a good one. Shepherds were not allowed to give testimony or bear witness in court. That was law. That was culture of the day. They were not allowed to bear witness because it was known that a shepherd's witness was not a good witness. Not only that, they were not to give witness in court, nor could they. But as it went, if you remember the society they lived on, the religious order of the day, go back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you remember that there was an all sense of holiness and cleanliness that everyone was trying to keep. In Leviticus, we're reminded that the priests themselves were never allowed to be around one thing that was death. Any time they interacted with a dead body, they would become ceremonially unclean, at which time they would then have to go and do an entire process that was not hours, but days, in which they would then cleanse themselves from their defilement. And so, anything that involved death or having touched death was not something that the holy order would be near or be seen with. Hence why, in a story that we call the Good Samaritan, a Samaritan who themselves were seen as the lowest of the low in society, it was they who went to the man on the side of the road and not the priest. Why? Because they were risking defilement. Uncleanliness. The second thing they would not be or have a part of, amongst many more, was that they could not touch nor be around feces. 
Now, having a farmer speak here this morning, I defile a lot of churches because there's never telling what's on a farmer's shoes. I'll tell you that right now. But listen, a shepherd inherently could never be apart from those two things. Death, a natural part of farming. There's one man I know, and as I chatted with him sometimes about our farming woes, he said, listen, there's only one thing I have to say. If you've got livestock, it means you also have dead stock. He says, it's not nice, but it's the reality. Animals live, but animals also die. They could not be apart from death. Nor could they ever be considered apart from feces because it is where they walked, it is what they did, it is the things that they carried. It was on them, it was all over them. And for this reason, not only were they untrustworthy in court, but shepherds never had access to the temple. Many could go to the temple of God of many occupations of many backgrounds, of many places, but a shepherd, not. Because by what they did, how they lived, unclean. And so unworthy of walking into the place that represented and held the presence of God. It was these that got the announcement. That Christ was born and that, as the angel said, news of great joy, which will be for all people. Isn't that great? They were telling the least of these that hope was upon them. And not just any hope, hope because for you, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Isn't that great? Not for them, not for the rich people, not the town folk, not the city people. For you, a child is born. For the defiled, untrustworthy, feces-covered, shepherd in the field. For you this day, a child is born, a Savior, Christ the Lord. How great that today, if we ever feel too far from the saving grace of God, when He chose to make that announcement, It was to the outcast, the lowest of the low, and to those who had no access to glory, glory was now to be given. I love how Paul writes it, and he puts it this way in his letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13. Listen to this. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, writes Paul, 1 Timothy 1.15, deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all, Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience and his example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, 
the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that great? Paul knew this, that as chief sinner, as foremost of all, Christ had mercy, that in Him He might demonstrate His perfect patience, that in Him He might show that there is acceptance for all who believe in Him to eternal life. Today, as we look and celebrate at a Savior's birth, Jesus came to save sinners. And Jesus announced that to the shepherds. It's interesting, but historians may... uh, write in several things that around Bethlehem, the city of David, were flocks of sheep, but those sheep were not any sheep. In fact, Bethlehem, for 30 days, one month a year, would receive flocks of sheep, but they were in fact the sheep of the high priest. Because 30 days before Passover, was the preparation for the Passover lamb. And so the Passover lambs would come and they would gather all in preparation for that temple sacrifice. Spotless lamb, one year old, all ready to give their life on behalf of the sins of the people. Bethlehem, uh, uh, holding cliffs made of rock, many of which the priests themselves would look over and survey the shepherds and the sheep, not needing to touch nor be near them, yet see them as they would be held for them in preparation. The religious order, religiously looking rigorously for a payment for sin, yet never getting close to the reality of the sinner. And yet Jesus, born amongst them in the manger, and as having children often, there's that thought, who do you invite first to see your newborn? Not the priest, not the high order, but the Lord. In God's kingdom, the first shall be last, and the last shall always be made first. What a great reminder this morning. Glory to God in the highest. It says this in John 3, as we already read verses in John this morning, as Jesus said, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven is the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. As we go out these doors today in this Advent season, and I love Advent because it is a time filled with hope. Hope, as we heard this morning through Kagan's testimony, when without hope in expectancy that there would be great provision, 
hope, not wishing. As today we have said, hope, I wish one day I will win the lottery, right? A fancy that something might happen. No confidence in Christ that these shepherds watching flocks bound for sacrifice, though they were not able to enter the temple, hoped that a sacrifice indeed was made. Hoped that what they did not have, as we just read, though they could not ascend into heaven, he who descended from heaven is the Son of God. Hope. And as we go out these doors, we remember that very thing. A longing with expectation. Not just for the one who looks like they have it all together. Not just for those who seem to appear and have the religious routine down on the outside. But hope, even for those who fail, who hurt, who are poor, who long for healing, hope for change, hope for transformation, hope because Emmanuel, God is with us. Often God is reminding me that today I need to change the lens through which I live. And that lens today is to remember this, that as you go out, Jesus came to save the lost, not those who seem to know where they're going. Jesus came to save the weak, not just those who seem strong and have it all together. Jesus came to save those who are finding it hard to find God. He's longing to find God. Jesus came to save not those who have it together. He longs to put them together. To heal the sick. To give sight to the blind. To raise the dead. And today we share hope, just as the angels shared on that day. Sometimes not with those who make us comfortable, but uncomfortable. Challenge this year as we've had around our table, presented with an opportunity to invite a few people into our home that might not make it comfortable. And you talk to the kids, it's like, wow, but then we wouldn't be able to get up in the morning and open our gifts like we normally do, and we wouldn't be able to do this and do that. Why are we celebrating? It's funny, I love to share with the poor, the lonely, but to invite them into my home and disrupt my Christmas order? My perfect breakfast with a perfect sitting around the fire with a perfect opening of the gifts? You know what I mean? Oh, I love to share Christ, hope, but not at the expense of my comfort. Jesus was all about meeting those in distress. Will we do likewise? What a reminder. Glory to God in the highest. The angels announce hope. And today we are ambassadors of that glory. That today 
we have hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that today we are reminded that we are no longer as those shepherds tending a flock bound for sacrifice, waiting for a payment for their sins, longing to get to God. And all that while, You, as God, were preparing to come to man. Thank You that today we no longer celebrate what was, but what is. A life of salvation for the lost. Thank You that today I can resonate with Paul's writing, Chief, most sinner am I. And yet You have been merciful. I pray today that we do not look at Your gifts. Use Your gifts. Take for granted Your gifts. That we might walk in Your way. That we might not live for ourselves, but live for You who was born to die and rise again. Thank You for these songs that remind us of the truth that is Glory to God in the highest. You have come. You are with us and today you abide in us. A new life, a new hope, even for the downtrodden. Thank you that as we go out these doors this week, we bear this message to all mankind. And we rejoice in what a great and glorious God you are. In Jesus' name.